Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Yeah. All right. I just want to share with you guys for 10, 15 minutes, and we're going to get back into a, a little bit more worship. Um, but we have been uh, talking about what is God like? That's our new series that we're kind of looking at at the moment. What is God like? And it's sort of taken out of a, a book called Knowledge of the Holy by a theologian called A.W. Tozer. And this is sort of the quote that we really have camped around that sort of piqued my interest at the start, which is what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It's an incredibly wild statement to make that the most important thing about us is what comes into our minds when we think about God. But I think it's totally true. I think it applies to every single person on the planet. I said it a couple of weeks ago. If you're not a Christian, if you're not someone that believes in God, this statement is still true. It just means that what comes into mind when you think about God is that He's not real. But for us as Christians, the challenge isn't so much do we believe that God is real or do we not believe that God is real. Hopefully that's not the challenge. The challenge is more, well, what is God like? Because if I think that God is like this over here, that this is his personality, that this is his characteristics, that this is the kind of God that he's like, this is how he responds, how he reacts to things, then every decision I make, every action I take, every thought that I have will run through a filter that I carry that this is what God is like. But if I think that God is like this over here, that this is what he's like, this is how he responds, this is how he reacts, then every decision I make, every action I take, and every thought that I have will be run through that filter. It's incredibly important that we have an accurate picture of who God is. Uh, and so in Exodus chapter 20, I shared this a couple of weeks ago, you know, God said the first commandment is the most important, and the first commandment is that you worship me, not me. You worship God, right? Just in case there was any... People got confused. Unlikely, but just in case. You worship God. Like God said, you worship me, just me, nobody else, nada, nyet, just me. It's very clear on that point. We agree with that? It's pretty clear. Jesus said in the New Testament, hey, that's the most important one. That's the big boy. But the very next commandment that God gave in Exodus 20 was, do not build your own version of me. Now, in that day, in that culture, in that context, it was primarily interpreted through the idea that you would physically build a representation of God. They'd carve something out of wood, they'd carve something out of bone, they'd make some kind of idol, and they would physically worship that manifestation of God. But in 2020, we don't tend to do that so much, particularly not in the Western world. But in the Western world, we build our own version of God all the same. We just build it in here. And we worship our version of God in here. It's just as idolatrous as somebody bowing down to something they've carved and have in their lounge. And so it's incredibly important that we have an accurate representation of who God is, that we know who God is. And I just have a real weight on me in this season that, that and I've talked about it a little bit in the past, but I believe that as a church, not just our church, but that church around the world, that we are entering a new phase that there is a shift coming. You can look at church history, and you can see that church history has been marked by significant shifts along the way. I wouldn't call it a season, because that makes it sound like we're going to go in and then come out. This new thing we're going into, this is the new thing, and that's it. That's the new thing. 
for however long God wants it to be the new thing. And church is going to look very different, I think. The way that we interpret church and think about church is going to look very different. But in this new time, for some reason, it's incredibly important to God that we know who He is. It's incredibly important to Him that we know who He is. So last week, Dan talked about the fact that God is holy. Or to be more specific, he said that God is holy, because Dan's English. And so God is very holy. He's a holy God. Uh, And that is true. You know, God is holy. Uh, And in the biblical context, holy, it means sacred or set apart. And that definition of sacred means to be physically pure, morally blameless, or ceremonially consecrated. That's what holy means in that context. You know, we serve a God that is physically pure, morally blameless, and ceremonially consecrated. Morally blameless is a big one. There is nothing that God has ever done, either in our time or outside our time, that was not absolutely perfectly morally right. Now, some of us might struggle with that. We all have things in our life that we go, why did that happen? How could God allow that to happen? How could God allow that to happen? Why is this happening? And yet the Bible makes it very clear that God is morally blameless. When Jesus came, he was a manifestation of God. He was physically pure. Ceremonially consecrated means to be set apart. Now here's the interesting thing. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 16, he quotes a scripture which says, For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. He's quoting a scripture from Leviticus chapter 11 where God says, you have to be holy because I am holy. And when you look at it, I've never really thought about it before, but the word because, it literally means to be caused by. It's, it's in the word, be caused. If I said to you, hey, this happened, and you said, well, why did that happen? And I said, well, this happened because this happened, then you would understand that this was what caused that. That's what because means. So what God is saying here is literally my holiness is what causes your ability to be holy. Does that make sense? Think about it like this. Uh, In fact, A.W. Tozer makes this statement in his book. He says that all of us are somehow intrinsically, magnetically drawn to or pulled toward what our image of God is. That there's something inside of us that moves toward who we think God is. And if we're moving toward a God that we have built for ourselves, then we're moving in the wrong direction. God literally says here that our ability to be holy, to be physically pure, to be morally blameless, is intrinsically linked to our understanding of His holiness. So we have to have a really clear picture of who God is. Now, when I looked at putting this series together, I got very smart, and I wrote down all my different characteristics of God that I thought we could hit, you know, all this stuff, and I emailed it to Dan. I said, Dan, you pick which one you want to do, and Dan said, I'll pick God as holy, so he started off with that one, and, and then I had this week, and so I sat down, and I looked at my list, and then God said, I don't want you to speak any of those things. I said, what? He said, I want you to talk about this, And I said, but that's not on my list. And then God said a very unkind thing. He said, I don't care about your list. So I crossed off kind. Um, (laughs) 
I said, all right, you want me to talk about this? And so here's the thing. I have, uh, just give me five minutes. This is all we're going to take is five minutes. Because, again, what, I'm not trying to force knowledge into you. I'm just trying to say, hey, have you thought about this? And that doesn't take very long to say, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about how you view God? God said, I want you to talk about the fact that I am jealous. I am jealous. And my first thought was, are you allowed to be jealous? Isn't that like a bad thing? Pretty sure the Bible says not to be jealous. So how can you be jealous if the Bible says not to be jealous and the Bible also says that you're morally blameless? Like what's going on there? Obviously, I think we can all understand there are different types of jealousy. But check out this verse in Exodus chapter 34. It says, do not worship any other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. It's, it's one of the names of God is jealous. The word jealous is used so many times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, but this particular Hebrew word is only used six times, and it only ever refers to who God is. See, when we get jealous, we get jealous about stuff. We get jealous about other people. We're always getting jealous of things. I get jealous of Dan. He's so tall and skinny, and he runs so far. That's serious, by the way. I have a problem with that. You know, I get jealous of, you know, other people that are on holiday all the time. They've got a family batch and wherever and so lucky they get to go there. Like we get jealous of things, but God doesn't get jealous of things. God gets jealous for us, for things. It says in Joel 2.18, the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. Zechariah 8.2 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I am very jealous for Zion. I am burning with jealousy for her. You know, I looked up the definition of jealousy on Google when I was doing some message prep. I wasn't on some super Christian, you know, Bible site. I literally just went to Google and typed in jealous. It's three definitions for jealous. Number one, it says feeling or showing a resentment of someone or their achievements, possessions, or perceived advantages. Has anyone ever had that? Feeling or showing a resentment of someone or what they've got or how lucky they are. I've had that. That's not the kind of jealous that God is, right? Second definition, feeling or showing suspicion that one's partner is attracted to or involved with someone else. I've never had that. I probably have, actually. Maybe when you get married, it kind of goes, well, I don't know. But maybe think back to when you were like a teenager and you had a girlfriend or a boyfriend and any time they did or said anything around another guy or a girl, you're like, what's going on there? You know, it's like a possessive, insecurity-based jealousy. That's not what God is. But the third definition says this. It says fiercely protective. Fiercely protective. Like we would jealously guard our freedom, fiercely protective. And then in this secular definition, it had a footnote, and it literally said, of God, and then it said this, demanding faithfulness and exclusive worship. The jealousy that God carries for us is a jealousy that is fiercely protective, demanding faithfulness, 
and exclusive worship. And so I said to God, wow, why do you want me to share this this morning? And I felt like he just said, look, I want you to tell my sons and my daughters that I am so jealous for them, fiercely protective for them. I demand faithfulness. I demand exclusive worship. I am jealous for their hearts. I'm jealous for their time. I'm jealous for their spirits. I'm jealous for their energy. I don't, I don't know what's happening, but there is something stirring in the body of Christ. God is doing something in the church and in this next time that we're going into. What he is asking for, what he is demanding is just a higher level of faithfulness and worship and commitment than he's ever asked before, I think. I said a couple of weeks ago that I felt like the word from God was the season of one foot in, one foot out is over. And in the last couple of weeks, I have seen that echoed all around the world, literally from prophets on the other side of the world have said exactly the same thing. That there is something happening in the body of Christ where God is saying, okay, it is time to step up. No longer am I okay with half in, half out. No longer am I okay with lukewarm, with you doing your own thing and then trying to fit me into your life. I want all of you, all of it. And I get the sense that the reason God is saying it is because what he has for you is too important. Like the season of one foot in, one foot out, it's over. If you want to be a part of what God is doing, what God is calling us into, it's going to take all of you, every part of you. And God is saying, I'm jealous for all of you. I don't, like, I'm no longer satisfied with the 20%. I'm no longer satisfied with the one or two Bible readings you throw me every couple of weeks. I'm no longer satisfied with coming sixth or seventh or eighth in your priority list. I'm no longer satisfied with getting the dregs of your energy. I am jealous for all of you. I want all of you. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? And we're just going to move into some more worship. And I'm going to just leave that to rest between you and God. And maybe a question that you can be asking God in this next bit of time, or even when you get home during the week, is to ask God, okay, God, what does all of me look like? Show me what all of me looks like. Because God's so beautiful, He's so gracious, He's not just moving into this next time without giving us notice, without giving us a heads up, without saying, hey, this is what it's going to look like, this is what you need to do. He's giving us time to sort ourselves out because He wants all of us with Him. But I just know that what God is calling us into is not going to be doable with half of you, with 40% of you. You have to give all of you. So Father, right now, we just, we come to you and we ask God that you would reveal to us what all of us looks like. To each and every person here, God, that you would just put your finger on one thing, to start with, to say, hey, I want all of this. 
Here's one thing that you can do to start with. This is a process. It's a journey that you and God are going to go on. I wish it were so simple that you could just pivot on one thing and be like, well, that's it. That's the one thing. If you're anything like me, there's like a million things that God shows you one at a time. So just between you and God, ask him right now for that one thing. God, what's the one thing that you're asking me to give all of you?